재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. Welcome back. Every week at this time, we make it our job to find cool, interesting, dynamic people that are passing through Seoul, stopping into Korea. Uh, to do something interesting, and we, we try to interface them to you. It's called, logically enough, People in Seoul, and today we are joined by a person who turned her unfortunate accident into what has become a lifelong devotion to help disabled people shine in the workplace. Her name is Joyce Bender. Uh, she's here as a special representative, but her main thing is being president and CEO of Bender Consulting Services. In a nutshell, helps match employers with disabled candidates that can get the job done in a very good way. Uh, Joyce, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So we're going to get into why you're here in Korea and what kind of skill set and bag of knowledge you're bringing. I want to just uh, learn a little bit more about you personally. I mean, you, from what I've read about you, you've had a f- you started your career fairly traditionally in human resources and kind of what we would call a headhunter, right? Looking for talent, looking for corporate talent. And then you had a, uh, a personal incident that really changed the course of events for you. Can you tell us a bit about it? Certainly. Um, yes, my background is in executive search. And mm. that's how I began my career in the early 80s. And that's really what gave me the wherewithal and understanding of what it would take to get a job, what companies look for, what hiring managers look for. But along the way, I had these unusual fainting spells, and I had them frequently. When I went to the general practitioner and explained this, my husband and I explained that, you know, it just didn't look right when this would happen. Unfortunately, he misdiagnosed what was wrong and said, that's just some female hormonal problem. Okay which happens to a lot of women misdiagnosis, but also a lot of people with my disability. You know, I have an aunt who has your disability. And back this is back kind of like in the 80s, right? Yeah. That, there, that this happened. Nowadays, yeah. they can identify in a heartbeat. But, yeah, yes, right? but still some family doctors make this mistake. So you always have to double check. Uh, what, and I'll explain what happened to me. Mm. I went one evening to see the movie Amadeus okay. with my husband. And it's a great movie, but it's long. So there's an intermission. And at the intermission, I went out to get a soda, and I had a seizure, and I hit the floor so hard, I... Uh, fractured my skull, had an intracranial brain hemorrhage. I dislodged the bones in my right inner ear, which is why I also have a 60% hearing loss. And I was rushed to the hospital and had life-saving brain surgery. And when I came to an intensive care, guess what? I'm on anti-epilepsy medication, and oh, suddenly those fainting spells stopped. Uh In other words, I always had epilepsy, but because... I do not have a convulsion. Many people don't realize there are many, many other types of seizures. You do not have to have a convulsion to have epilepsy. I see. And this is a fall on a linoleum floor in a theater. Yes. Uh, when I read, I only read in generic terms that you had an accident. I figured you were driving and you had a car yeah. accident. This is a, a fall on a floor. Yeah. It's dangerous. So you learned very quickly. You had a, uh, a one-day crash course in... Um, Taking on a disability, in essence, right? Yes. Is that yes. what changed your whole attitude about executive search and about business and uh, plugging disabled people into jobs that they can do? Yes. I, I am so impressed how you understand all of this so quickly, I must tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, that is exactly right. I always tell people a seizure 
changed my life uh-huh. because when I got back to work to that executive search firm, it was my executive search firm. It wasn't long after that that I heard about a school in my hometown, which is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and this school would train people with disabilities to work in the IT field. Would I go help just teaching them how to interview, write a resume? And I said, of course. But when I went, I had no idea that the attitudinal barrier was so horrific toward employing people with disabilities. The attitudinal barrier. Yes. In other words, people are prejudiced against hiring yes. disabled people. Yes. Um, you're inferior. You won't be able to do the job. I have a famous saying that people know of me in the United States, which is paychecks, not pity. Pity uh-huh. is one of the ruinations of people gaining employment. But that is what led me to then founding my company. Yeah, so you've got this sort of dual mission, as I understand it. Bender Consulting, it's got this it's kind of advocacy role and social role, but it's also a business mission, right? That's right. In terms of selling, the business model is basically the standard headhunter model, right? Mm-hmm. You make a fee or something mm-hmm. when you match, make a successful match. Correct. How do you, in terms of hard-nosed business, no pity, you said, yep. uh, no appealing to their social instincts, right. how do you make a sale of uh, a disabled candidate for a job position as an executive? Uh, that is very important, what you just asked. When I go to a company, I tell them I don't want charity. I don't want pity. I'm coming to you with a candidate that will do the job. You have to look at this at the bottom line because that's how it is with corporate America they're going to look at the bottom line is there a return on investment and I explained to them people with disabilities have talent you're missing if you bring on someone with a disability through my company if they do a good job they get promoted if not you would not keep them and that's the message you have to get across to hiring managers the business value Mm. You're helping me by by speaking, by helping me update some of my vocabulary. I mean, the language used to describe disabled people has evolved over our Mm -hmm. lifetimes, hasn't it? Uh, You seem very comfortable in using the word disabilities and disabled. You talk about yourself as being in the disabled community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once upon a time, when I was a kid, we used to say handicapped and things like that. We've evolved past those words. Mm -hmm. But disabled is the correct and proper term. Yeah, people with disabilities is correct. Uh, Just as you mentioned, the word handicapped is very offensive in the community today because it's based on cap in hand, begging. But the correct term Uh, is people with disabilities. That is correct. Okay. So which side do you find yourself working more with? Those who have the uh, attitudinal issue, the employers? Or are you working more on the training up, the uh, making sure the, the side that's applying for the job is trained and qualified and has the right attitude themselves? Well, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, screening, checking references, making sure we are sending the right person for the job. Mm. However, it's breaking down the attitudinal barrier that is more significant. I have... Many, many talented people ready to work. And by the way, this is in IT, finance, accounting, engineering, competitive jobs of that nature. Uh, But it is getting the person to look beyond the disability and just look at a talented person. Let's talk about your own disability that you discovered, epilepsy. Is it just a matter of getting on the right medicine and then the epilepsy is basically forgotten or uh, are there day-to-day adjustments? In other words, a, a candidate with epilepsy applying for an executive job. Uh, would that be relevant if they're on the right medicine? 
many people today on medication are seizure free. Mm. Uh, you also have a in the United States there is surgery. You know there are different things you can do, but I would say medication is the uh, main thing that is used to prevent seizures. And uh, if you're on medication, you can do the job just as anyone else can. But I assure you, there are people with epilepsy that would not disclose they had that. I see. Yeah, because they're afraid of the the prejudice mm-hmm. they'll run into. Mm-hmm. It just becomes if they've got the medicine, sort of a data point on their life story, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, do you find that all of the attitudinal adjustment needs to take place on the employer side or do the candidates themselves need any kind of upgrade in attitude? I mean, are they always positively minded or do they have perhaps some, uh, learned helplessness that they've faced, you know, over the years from, you know, kind of assuming the worst about what employers want? Well, with people with disabilities, it is self-efficacy. That is what it's about. It is the feeling with many people that they don't feel that they're valued or that they're treated, uh, ostracized or left out. Not everyone, but many people with disabilities feel that because society... You know, that's how society trains you. That's the media. That's uh, schools. That's everything. Uh, But once you get past that with a person with a disability, then it's getting the company to get over this. I always say it's easier for me to get a charitable donation for the Epilepsy Foundation than getting people to hire people with epilepsy. But obviously in the United States, we have made great strides. There was someone in the Obama uh, White House when you walked in the door who was deaf as the receptionist. You know, So we've made great strides. We still have a long way to go. And that's kind of part of your job is the advocacy side. You're mm-hmm. patched into Washington, mm-hmm. even though you're up there in Pittsburgh with your uh, your firm. You're traveling all the time, and you've been patched into a couple of White Houses now, haven't you? Yes. Uh, yes, I... Um I was very honored in 1999 that I received the President's Award at the White House from President Clinton, which is given to one American for furthering the employment of people with disabilities. But I also received uh, an award from the Bush administration, and uh, I worked very closely with the Obama administration. And and it has been a great honor for me uh, to, for example, with President Obama, they took great strides to actually have people with disabilities abilities in in uh, high level positions in visible the positions in the government yes mm. are there types of disability that are more challenging to get employers to accept i mean you can't see that somebody has epilepsy you can't necessarily see that somebody's deaf you can see when they're in a wheelchair or they walk with crutches that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. are there differences are there there ones that are different types of cell Yes. The more significant the disability, the harder it is to find employment. In other words, there are people that use a wheelchair, but, you know, it's okay, it's fine. To, but if the person also has speech difficulty, uh, maybe cerebral palsy with a lot of spasticity, um, the, as I said, the more significant, the harder it is. People with autism, that's another example. Actually, people who have uh, psychiatric disabilities have a very hard time gaining employment. So this is another group of people that do not want to disclose, but in some cases, you know, they just know when they interview the person. When did you get to Korea? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, so I you're brand a, new. 
Yeah, but I was here a year ago. You have been here. Yes. Uh, were you here? Now you're here in a sort of a special representative capacity, right? Yes. The first time I came, I came as an expert on the employment of people with disabilities and met with disability rights groups, government, businesses. But while I was here the first time, I met with these doctors that specialize mm. in epilepsy. Mm. And I asked them to meet with me and to bring a couple of people with epilepsy. And the first thing they said to me, don't say epilepsy, say cerebro electric disorder. The stigma here toward epilepsy is absolutely horrific. Mm. Uh, and they stayed in touch with me. They actually came to Pittsburgh and they said, we're bringing you back. We, we, we want you to speak here. It's historic having you here because you're a woman with epilepsy, successful in business that talks about it. Isn't it, I mean, part of the prejudice, it's not that people are bad and that they dislike and hate people with lep epilepsy. I mean, an epilepsy seizure is a terrifying thing. I've mm -hmm. seen it mm -hmm. happen on an airplane, and I was terrified. So partially it's fear that's behind the prejudice, isn't it? Yes, but it's also stigma. Mm. There is a stigma with epilepsy, um, and there are people here, for example, there are women here in South Korea, married women, who do not take the medication until their husband leaves the house. Oh, really? Yes. So it's still, it's a household secret. So. Yeah. Yes, and there are parents that do not want anyone to know their children mm -hmm. have epilepsy. So there, for whatever reason, there is a stigma with epilepsy. And that's why I'm here speaking at the Epilepsy Congress this week. Okay. What else is, are you seeing when you survey the landscape in Korea? I think it's safe to say here in Korea, uh, certain things get swept under the rug. There is a high degree of stigma, possibly higher than in the U.S. or other countries. I don't know. But uh, things tend to get sort of socially covered over. Uh, what else do you see? Well, that's very accurate. As I said, well, whoever's listening to this, you have a really smart person here doing this show with me um but i i want to i want to say that i love south korea i love the people um it, when i left the last time it, it was hard for me to leave especially when this young woman ran up to me crying throwing her arm around me with epilepsy please mm. don't go don't go um so what i see here is hope mm. uh hope that they'll get help to get jobs that's your biggest problem here the employment of people with disabilities is not high. Mm -hmm. uh, and many people, when they do get a job, um, I would, last time I was here, I remember I went to this one event and they wanted to show me, this government agency, how many people they had found employment for. And they showed me this one training chart up on the wall for blind people to become masseuse. Ah, uh, yeah, that's one of the niches that's well-developed here, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if I would show that in the United States, you probably get stoned so you know what i mean is we have people here that i meet they all want to work mm -hmm. um i met this wonderful woman made you from the uh at the woman's leadership forum and these people they want to work they want a chance they want to get out there um and that's my mission i want to get my customers in the united states that are global customers mm -hmm. to Hire people here in Korea. I will not go back and just, oh, here's hope. You know, I want to do something. I don't want to just talk about it.
Okay, so it's not just a pep rally. Right. Um, and you, you know, we're not talking about, uh, I mean, as fine as it is to go become a, a massage therapist and whatnot, we're not talking about manual labor and screwing on widgets here. We're talking about vision and manager and executive leadership. IT kind of stuff. engineer. IT. Yesterday I was at the school for uh, the National Soul, National Soul School for the Deaf. Wow, were they wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, So anyone listening, if you have children who are deaf, you know, look into that school. But while I was there, I went to a classroom and this one young man uh, who was deaf said, I want to work for Canon. I said, great, thinking he wanted to be an engineer. He said, yes, that he'd be in manufacturing. A lot of people end up in manufacturing. And the teacher said to me, is it true that in the United States, people who are deaf are attorneys? For sure. And I said, attorneys, doctors, I mean, as I said, we have a long way to go, but I'm wanting to see competitive employment. You know, until you have, no matter where it is in the world, until you have competitive employment, you will never, ever, ever be free because you can't live like everyone else, can't buy a car, can't get an apartment. You can't live the dream in that country until you're employed. You seem to have a good ability to use platforms, uh, various types of platforms. The website's pretty cool. What is it? BenderConsult.com? BenderConsult.com, yes. So it's got a lot of information there. You also have a little radio show yourself that you uh-huh. do. Um, and what is it called? It's called Disability Matters. With Joyce Bender. It's on VoiceAmerica.com. And it is replayed uh, around the world. Mm. You can actually hear it here. In, I mean, but if you haven't, you can go to my website because all the shows are archived. Right. So that's streamable. You've got that. Um, and I understand you're also developing this iDisability learning thing. Yes. What is that? iDisability is uh, e-based training modules. Uh, they're 15-minute modules that you can access to your laptop or actually to your smartphone, and each module is about working with and communicating with people with disabilities, mm. including things such as how do you accommodate a veteran with post-traumatic stress disorder? How do you work with someone with epilepsy? What do you do if the person has a seizure? You know, How do you work with people who are blind? My idea here, and it's really taking off that product, my idea here is with this training product, I Disability, if I can break down that attitudinal barrier, if I can educate people, then I can get employment. That's my always my long-term mm. goal where the rubber meets the road is sure. employment. So it's targeted at employers yes. and seeing, does it help to bring in real-life stories? Do you have testimonials, for yes. example? I mean, Yeah, and the person that endorsed this is the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, Tony Coelho. So um, it, it really... Uh, it really is taking off. I disability. How deep do you get into the legal framework stuff? Like I, I, Korea, I, I'm, I don't know the legal system in that granularity here, but I don't believe there's a Koreans with Disabilities Act. I may be wrong. Yeah, I um, don't think there is. Like a federal, a federal yeah, level one, yes, right? Yes. You have here in Korea that if you do not hire people, x amount of people, you pay a penalty. I see. Court, but sadly, they pay the penalty. Ah. Uh. Cost so, of doing business kind of yeah, attitude. Yeah, so you have different human rights laws here, if you want to say that, but they have to be enforced. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have a particular success story that um, you think of in your in your run with Bender Consulting? Uh, you know, I really got that person the job they deserved kind of thing. Yes. And I'm so happy about it. Yeah, and there are many, but I'll use this example. Um, one young man <clears throat> that I had met at a job fair actually had on his resume at the bottom, I will accept a very low salary because of my disability. Mm. And the first thing I said to him was, whoever told you to put that on, take it off. Mm -hmm. Because guess what his academic background was? He had a master's in rehab and technology from the University of Pittsburgh, but he would take a meager salary. He had very significant cerebral palsy. He had to operate his wheelchair with his hands on the back behind him with what looked like a remote control because he had so much spasticity in his arms Mm. and he needed augmentative communication to speak. Mm. I got him a job at an insurance company, Highmark, as a software developer 10 years ago, making a lot of money. He's been moved up. And for employers, I just want to tell you, one day his wheelchair broke. He didn't want to miss work. So he called an ambulance and went back on an ambulance. Don't undersell yourself. Joyce Bender is the CEO of Bender Consulting. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank Thank you very much. My pleasure.